Hello and welcome on The Barricades. My name is Bojan Stanislavski. I'm, uh, I'm going to be your host today. Dr. Maria Cherna couldn't be with us, the usual co-host of the show. I'm here with our two great guests, Bojan Trajkov and Arto Artinian. Hello. Hello. Hi. Uh, so let's, let's talk about Bulgaria. Let's uh, continue discussing Bulgaria. This is, uh, this is very important because it's a country which, is not, uh, talked mu- which hasn't been talked much about. Much about. Uh, recently, and uh, the events that are unfolding in uh, in Bulgaria do deserve a lot of attention, in my opinion. And I think it's also very telling that the international media are absolutely silent about it. I mean, when you type in Bulgaria, you know, Bulgaria protests uh, or, or ta- leaked tapes or something like that in Google or any other corporate search engine, you get nothing. You get crickets, you get some small notes uh, which uh, are only appear, which only seem to be appearing on some kind of, uh, well, non-mainstream sort of websites, media services, and that kind of uh, that kind of publications. So let's uh, let's actually do the do the job that journalists should be doing, and let's focus our attention on what is what is going on in Bulgaria because the situation is very tense, and it seems to be getting increasingly tense by the hour. And uh, before we start discussing, I just want to offer our viewers uh, and listeners a short recap. So over the last two years, we've had uh, five rounds of parliamentary elections in Bulgaria. Those parliamentary elections never resulted in any kind of decisive majority. And now the fifth round, the most recent round, which actually took place on April the 2nd. Please correct me, guys, if I'm wrong, but I think it was April the 2nd. Right. And uh, the situation that emerged after the votes were counted is the following. We have the old uh, sort of status quo party uh, that's been in power for the last nearly 15 years called GERB. It's a right wing party uh, led by former gangsters or formers. I don't know if you can really be a former gangster, but that's that's the past record of the leader of that party, Boyko Borisov. He used to be a guard, a kind of bodyguard for the former dictator of Bulgaria, Todor Zhivkov. Then he, uh, according to many stories, uh, well-documented ones, I would say, although never prosecuted, he does have a, a past record as an active gangster. And this is also how he is perceived by the majority of the Bulgarian public. Uh, and uh, against him, there were protests, social movements, and uh, the protests were actually very... I would say massive for Bulgarian by Bulgarian standards, uh, and they've lasted for a long period of time during 2020 and 2021. Uh, and finally, out of this protest movement, certain organizations emerged. Uh, they were in and out of the parliament through this period of five rounds of parliamentary elections, uh, and the most, perhaps, uh, the most. Um, um, the most esteemed, so to say, organization that did emerge out of those protests is the party led by Kirill Petkov and Asen Vasilev. We call them in Bulgaria the Harvard brothers because they apparently have actually gone to this uh, school, uh, which is also very symbolic in terms of how Bulgaria is governed by Western caters. But, you know, we're going to talk about that uh, a little later. Nonetheless, the Harvard brothers formed a, a party uh, called We Continue the Change. The name of the party is ridiculous, of course, but like most, uh, just as the, the state of Bulgarian politics is ridiculous and, and rather comical than anything else. 
uh, had it not been tragic, have been probably, uh, we would have been having a lot of fun. Uh, nonetheless, things are tragic, things are tense. This party, which basically, um, w which is the, um, the kind of anti-GERP, the kind of party which has the, the identity of which, you know, let alone the program and let alone the slogans and so, but the identity is to be against GERP, against the boycott Borisov's party that's been in power for such a long period of time and created apparently that's that's their discourse, you know, the kind of mafia ruled state and, and oligarchy and corruption and all the rest of it, as if it were not present before Boyko Borisov took power, but that's also another story. Anyway, this is their discourse, this is their program, this is their mantra, this is their propaganda, this is their political communication. Yet suddenly, uh, after uh, some time has passed from the 2nd of April, when the most recent round of those uh, of parliamentary elections took place, what happened is they first formed something called gentlemen's agreement. Do you remember that? Like they, they were not able to form a coalition, but they were pressed to do something together in order to form a proper government, uh, a legal proper government. They were pressed most likely by the American embassy, but this is just a guess. Uh, oh, this used to be a guess. Now we kind of kind of know it after uh, certain audios were leaked. Uh, and uh, they were pressed to form, form a government. So they first they first decided to to have gentlemen's agreement. This is how they actually presented it. This is the exact wording that they used. And then, of course, it had they had to take one step further, and they did form something which is not a coalition, but it actually is a coalition. They don't refer to it that way, but they support each other because you know there are those uh, those international factors, or there are those international situations that have to be addressed, and Bulgaria needs stability, Bulgaria needs government. So the two antipodes they come together and they form this uh, they form this government. And uh, when we when we discussed two or three days ago. Uh, and and subsequently released the recordings that we made here. We were still not certain whether they actually are going to be able to form a government because there was so much, so much outrage in the society, in the public, but also among the political uh, leaders of various parties. Because some ten days ago, and this is a very important element here, some ten days ago, a session a, a, of the leading body of that party, we continued the change was organized a meeting was called and that meeting was recorded and subsequently the recording was leaked to the media uh, by one of their mps former now uh, a former mp of their parliamentary group he still remains to be a parliamentarian only like an independent kind of parliamentarian his name is uh, radostin vasilev so he leaked the tapes uh, his excuse or his pretext was that what he heard during listening to the recorded meeting, because he was not able to participate, it took place in the middle of the night, and apparently he was—he didn't feel like staying up late. So he he listened to the recording the next day, and he heard some appalling, and they are appalling things, like for example, just to throw in like an outrageous element of the audios uh, of the discussion that was registered on those uh, audio files. Things like, uh, what about the people who are going to be leading the special secret, you know, secret police, secret intelligence forces and stuff like that? Who are they? Someone asks a female voice. And then Asen Vasilev 
replies, don't worry, those are our people approved by the embassy. Now, when you say the embassy in Bulgaria, uh, that means you're referring to the American embassy. Uh, and uh, then there were discussions about how uh, Kirill Petkov uh, spoke to Ursula von der Leyen, referring to her as Ursula. I spoke to Ursula about how can we bypass all the regulations in order to join the Eurozone uh, and other such matters. Everything basically is a treasonous scandal. Uh, I don't find any other words for this kind of behavior, really. And despite that... Despite the outrage, despite the tensions, despite the the leaked tapes, despite the entire entire kind of uh, uh, I don't even know how to refer to it, disorder that emerged after the tapes were leaked, uh, the recordings were leaked. Uh, they still are pressing forward. They have to have a government, and they seem to be almost there. That's why I thought we should really discuss it because it can have very, very serious ramifications for uh, Bulgaria, and not only for Bulgaria, by the way, for Eastern Europe in general. And uh, this is why I'm having you here for, um, for a follow-up of what's been, uh, what's been going on. So, uh, Budin, let's start with you, because you were on the ground in Bulgaria. Uh, how about uh, you just sort of, you know, walk us through what happened over the last 24 hours with, with regards to the formation of the new government, who is there, uh, and uh, what is going to be the purpose, the, well, maybe what is the purpose of uh, of this procedure of forming a government in in these tense uh, in this tense situation? Uh, and what do you think are going to be their first undertakings when the government is finally voted in? Well, what uh, has actually uh, happened uh, in the last? several days uh, after we uh, discussed the situation is uh, that now there seems to be a quite a stable coalition formed uh, between the continuing the change party with yes bulgaria which is a coalition in itself they're now called which... democratic bulgaria just for the record they're now called democratic oh yes uh, yes yes democratic bulgaria yes i apologize so, yes bulgaria is part of democratic bulgaria yes so um also GERP, which is Boyko Borisov's party, former prime minister with whom you just discussed. And now it seems that DPC, which is the Movement for Rights and Freedoms, or also known as the Turkish party in Bulgaria, is on board to support this government, which is quite astonishing because just a few days ago after this recording was leaked to press uh, the uh, uh, leader of movements for rights, the movement for rights and freedom, or DPC, expressed outrage at at uh, this situation, and basically uh, his reaction would make us believe that he would not be on board for the formation of such a government. Nevertheless, it seems that now they are at the, this party is on board, which is uh, which gives. Uh, uh, which gives the um, continuing the change uh, plus uh, democratic Bulgaria uh, the needed uh, majority to pass this government. Now, whether this government will actually happen or not uh, is about to be seen. What has happened so far is that the president had uh, 
given it uh, given it its approval, which he has to do uh, by constitution. Uh, in other words, uh, Denkov, who is uh, who is uh, the prime, who is the proposed prime minister, uh, gave back uh, the president his propositions for uh, the ministers who could be the ministers in the government. So that procedure procedure has passed, and Radev appoint and Radev declared that the government should be voted in. Uh, the in parliament tomorrow now uh, in addition to that actually parallel to that the uh, revival party Vazrazdane, which we have kind of talked about several times already has declared national protests a uh, national protest yeah, just, just for the record just for the record sorry for interrupting you but uh, for those viewers We seem to have party is the only party. Hello, can you hear me? Yes. Yeah. <clears throat> Openly protesting the American imperialist meddling in Bulgarian politics, and they are very open about it. You know, their leader goes from studio to studio, TV studio, radio studio, whatever, uh, giving interviews, openly speaking against the American presence in Bulgarian politics. And it's a nationalistic party, a kind of right wing, you know, you would probably refer to it like most of the people uh, in the collective West would probably refer to it as a right-wing populist party, you know, that became a fashionable kind of description for uh, these formations. But, you know, what is what is different with regards to the revival party is that they are very open in, in, in terms of their anti-imperialist sense. They don't hide anything. They speak against uh, the U.S. Uh, in Bulgaria and in, in the Hello? Yeah, yeah, I'm, I'm here, I'm here. Uh, we're all here. Go ahead, continue. Uh, yes, uh, uh, yes, they, uh, the leader of uh, this party has uh, declared uh, national protest in front of uh, parliament, uh, and uh, which probably would be to put pressure on not passing this government. In other words, uh, perhaps uh, the final kind of uh, hope that... Uh, uh, to put pressure on uh, the uh, deputies inside parliament, uh, maybe on uh, the movement for rights and freedom, because otherwise I don't see, I mean, it, it seems that uh, GERP are on board. And the reason for them being on board is uh, because of something that we have not mentioned, which is uh, Boyko Borisov has been uh, threatened to be ignited and prosecuted by uh, the prosecution office. Uh, uh, of uh, the Republic because uh, he has been uh, kind of uh, uh, linked to the uh, so-called uh, Magnitsky law, which is a form of the United States, a mechanism of the United States to control uh, political process. Because the Magnitsky law, I don't want to go into details with that, but it's absolute uh, fabrication. It's kind of like a law that the good oligarchs or the ones that work with the United States that are not going to be persecuted against the bad oligarchs kind of. And so that kind of situation is the reason why Borisov is so fearful. In other words, he's fearful of the, uh, uh, let's say, 
uh, rat of the Americans. And uh, I don't really think that uh, Borisov uh, is particularly keen on being and participating in the, in this coalition, in this, uh, well, let's say, uh, unvoiced coalition, not really public coalition, but it's obvious there is a coalition. Um, right. So... Uh, so that is what is happening right now in terms of who the people in this cabinet will be. Well, the most worrisome name, in my opinion, is the Minister of Defense or what they call the War Minister they're, 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 they're on, in their own recordings, basically, which I don't think is uh, some kind of uh, lapsus. Or, you know, it is, it is obvious that this person is a war hawk. Uh, he has been... Uh, uh, yeah, he, he, yeah, okay, Bojin, before, before we talk about the, uh, okay. the defense minister or the proposed defense minister, because it's a whole, you know, uh, <laughs> he deserves a, a lot more attention than just a brief uh, remark, uh, you know, uh, on, uh, on the side of, uh, <clears throat> of our discussion here. I want to first go to Arto and Arto, you know, we have... We have the strangest situation possible, I think, for liberal democracy, bourgeois democracy, like refer to it however you like, uh, where, you know, in, in, in this kind of mechanism, within this kind of idea, within this kind of concept, we should have parties, organizations representing a part of society uh, and discussing with other parties representing other parts of, parts of society. And, you know, they should find some kind of maybe common ground on this or that. But then we have... We continue the change, which I mentioned uh, in uh, and I described in my opening remarks as a party formed in order to combat another party, which is GERP, right? And, you know, it's we have two parties which have nothing in common, which hate each other, even on a, on, on, on a kind of personal level. We've heard stories about how the parliamentarians from this parliamentary group refer to the parliamentary, how they insult each other, you know, and all the rest of it. They come together, right? And then we have a party that, you know, referred to referred to as the Turkish party in Bulgaria, which they they, they try to present themselves as as a liberal party, as a classical liberal party to the West, uh, but it is a party closely linked to. Uh, the Turkish minority in Bulgaria, and also tied, uh, tied at the hip with many underground, uh, formerly underground organizations, now big businesses in Bulgaria. And this party outraged, but suddenly supports the government. I mean, you cannot really find any other explanation than the embassy, the embassy, as it was revealed uh, during the recordings, putting so much pressure on all the political forces in Bulgaria, actually leading, manually managing, governing the parliamentary process in Bulgaria. What's what's your take? <laughs> it's a very good question, uh, Boyan, because it talks, it forces us to talk about some fundamental concepts in politics. So, for example, if we interpret the situation using the ideology, meaning the way we think about politics, if we use the ideology of the European Union that's dominant in the European Union, and thus its politicians and journalists in the mainstream and et cetera, parliamentary democracy is defined as a situation where parliament represents different parts of society. Of course, by different parts, they don't refer to different social classes, but the basic unit is the individual citizens or some vague organizations or interests, right? So the Bulgarian parliament, then, according to the European Union um, ideology or propaganda, 
uh, is supposed to represent or does represent different parts of Bulgarian society and different interests, like the interests of the pro-Western leaning Bulgarians versus the pro-Russian leaning Bulgarians versus the nationalist Bulgarians and etc. And they're supposed to have different interests and clash in parliament by debating by, and the citizens of course can clash by voting and their vote will be heard because it's the rule of law, right? Nobody's above the law says Ursula von der Leyen uh, every other sentence she uses and her supporters in Bulgaria. Uh, but then we hear in this recording that Ursula von der Leyen uh, most definitely goes around the law when she promises certain things to Kirill Petkov. So I think if we listen, if we try to understand what happens in Bulgarian politics in this situation using the official ideology of liberal European politics, we arrive at completely meaningless explanations, such as how is it possible that you know continuing change and yes, Bulgaria, which publicly led protests, some you know. Uh, against the Ger party, all of a sudden so quickly it, uh, formed the coalition in such an unprincipled 180 degree turn, right? Well, I think that the, the better explanation is if we don't use that, the European Union uh, uh, propaganda as a way of understanding what happens in uh, Bulgarian politics or world politics. And if we go to the officially discarded, at least on the level of the official uh, political parties, etc., kind of a Marxist approach at reading politics, which is very straightforward. We can go back to Lenin's writings if we want to be grounded in the classics or before, or we can, you know, go to more contemporary thinkers. But in the Marxist tradition, Lenin would say, and I'm using Lenin purposefully because it's bound to infuriate, you know, the, 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 these traitors who, who are, you know, uh, actively breaking the law in the Bulgarian constitution today. But anyways, Lenin would say, what is parliament? Parliament is the coordinating committee of the dominant social class in society. There's one dominant social class in the European Union, which includes Bulgaria. What is that? That's the class of those who own the material wealth of society as their private property. In Bulgaria, we can call them the oligarchs. We can call them to use the more old-fashioned word, the bourgeoisie or the capitalist capital, the owners of material wealth as their private property. These people also own most of the tools that are used to make useful things in society as their own private property. So Lenin would say, and I agree, the Bulgarian parliament, just like the European parliament, just like any other parliament in the European Union, uh, it dominated by the capitalist class. Okay, so irrespective of the differences between the Yes Bulgaria, between Gerb, between even the Bulgarian Socialist Party, they all represent above all the interests of the wealth owners of Bulgaria. Yeah, okay, but here we have, sorry, sorry to interrupt you, but I think it's important that you sort of uh, include that in your uh, yeah. analysis or comment, is that, okay, of course, the Bulgarian capitalist class uh, they they have their own interests and that's obvious that's based you know embedded in the economy yeah but then we have the foreign factor here which is something you know not necessarily something new to uh, for marxists to discover yeah. but i think it's important to sort of stress on that that it's yes. not just their interest and actually things seem to be very contradictory when it comes to reading uh, or, or trying to analyze the interests themselves and their actions and the actions of the american embassy right. it's not I mean, the prospects exactly. are not clear whether they're actually exactly. going to be able to so, realize So here we have to ask the follow question, which is, since Bulgaria is a member of the European Union, 
which is a political entity dominated by the interests of the most powerful parts of the European wealth-owning class, the interests of the Bulgarian oligarchs, if we want to use that word, because it's maybe clearer to our listeners, the interests of the Bulgarian oligarchs are always secondary or in a, in a dependent position to the interests of the European oligarchs living in Western Europe, i.e. the more wealthier oligarchs, which are in, in turn in secondary position to the oligarchs in the United States as the dominant uh, capitalist country in the world, imperialist country in the world. So what happens is in moments of deep political crisis that is global in nature, and right now we're facing a, a global confrontation between the United States and England-led ocean-faring imperial forces, if you will, which are now in direct conflict with the dominant landmass states of the world, which is the United, uh, Russia and China, all of a sudden the interests and the political priorities of that social class immediately become activated as the, as the priorities of the Bulgarian oligarchs as well. So I think this is what we're witnessing. Until three months ago or 12 months ago, 14 months ago, when the war between NATO and Russia was starting or just about to start, yes, we can have intra-Bulgarian oligarchic politics in the Bulgarian parliament between the GERP formation and the anti-GERP formations, right? But the moment... We're on the verge of World War III, if some people have called it, a global conflict initiated by the most powerful capitalist class in the world. That capitalist class immediately sends signal to all of its subservient, politically and economically subservient local oligarchs and says, now you need to listen to us because we need to use your territory in order to achieve our political goals. And I think this is what's happening right now. And this is why almost by magic, Within 48 hours, or whatever you want to call it, uh, the Bulgarian oligarchs, which are represented in parliament through their uh, political parties, which includes GERP, Bulgarian Socialist Party, in its current formation, uh, DPC, you know, continuing change, and yes, Bulgaria, all of these parties receive a command, a political command, which they must obey because the Bulgarian oligarchic class cannot have access to Western financial markets without the blessing of their senior partners. And thus, all of the seemingly ideological and political differences between GERB and continuing change and whatever all of a sudden disappear. Mm -hmm. They become secondary. And now they're happily forming a coalition in record time while yeah. breaking the law. On yeah, top yeah, of yeah. And, and after having committed obvious an obvious treason. I mean, we're talking about a huge, a major crime against the Republic, which is written in the Constitution, which is written in the, in, uh, which is part of the criminal code. I mean, you could just uh, drag those people to, uh, to, 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 I mean, you should be able to drag those people to the nearest police station. They should be where they should be uh, arrested and subsequently yeah. actually taken to court. But, but Boyan, of course, just this, to sort of interrupt, just to add to what you just said, this also shows that the rule of law as understood by the European Union, you know, in the United States and etc., when it comes to real political struggle of the highest importance to them, is purely situational. And it can of be course. broken and will be broken at will whenever the situation demands it. And I think that's something important to keep in mind as we think about the rule of the law. And the mm -hmm. next time it's used in conversations by, let's say, 
uh, political parties in the European Parliament. Yeah, especially with regards to Poland, where I reside, you know. I exactly. Mean, this is, like, there's so much, there's so many problems with the rule of law in Poland, that you, you can barely imagine, you can barely, you know, you can't wrap your head around it. But then Ursula is, you know, walking around full But around. her private uh, comments yeah. are, are somehow with the law. Yeah, sure, sure. Yeah, that's exactly that. Okay, so, uh, like, we're going to go to a short break, but before we do that, I want to ask Bojin to please comment on the kind of situation that emerged in a sense that because Arto spoke about interests, and I think those interests are, of course, the kind of basis for the political vectors that, they, that, that certain parties, certain groups, certain organizations or leaders acquire, obviously. But then, uh, you know, now when you come to think about it, it's not really going to benefit the pro-imperialist forces. I, and and that, well, that's one thing that makes me pretty optimistic, really. And I, I wonder what's your take on it. Because, look, those two parties, GERP, and, uh, you know, we continue the change, Democratic Bulgaria, whatever, those those parties that are forced into this kind of coalition arrangement, coalition-like arrangement, okay, they're finished. They're finished. I mean, uh, no one's going to vote for them with the exception of the, of course, clientele sort of networks. They're always going to be with them, right? I mean, the people that are benefiting directly from them being in power, being uh, present in the Bulgarian parliament because of the distribution of money and sources and funds and all the rest of it, obviously, right? But then, like, as political factors, once they form this government, once the government does its job, which is to sort of uh, throw Bulgaria into the meat grinder of the Ukrainian war, uh, they... They are. I don't know whether they're actually going to be able to to push through whatever law they have in mind in order to actually complete the ta this task. Then they're going to mobilize the Bulgarian public against this, and the Bulgarian public has been very silent and very kind of patient, okay, with American imperialism and with the Westerners ripping off uh, Bulgaria in various ways. They have, and that was a huge benefit for the Westerners. Now this benefit is going to be gone. Because let alone Vazrajdan, let alone this revival party, I mean, people are, things are boiling in Bulgaria already, and you don't know what's going to come out of it. And, you know, there is, of course, this chance, I suppose, that people are going to stay silent, people are going to, you know, get this shoved up their uh, throats, and they're going to swallow it, maybe, but that's just a minor possibility. I think it's highly likely that some things are going to happen, and those things that are going to happen are going to be outside the control of the of the embassy. What do you think, Brigitte? Uh, just uh, to add to Arto's analysis first, uh, because I think that I mean you you kind of hinted to that too. I think the 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 situation right now. I think. Uh, uh, as long as I think uh, my my uh, take on it is I'm starting with the sheer coercion, the process of sheer coercion on part of the United States towards the political elite, be, be precisely because I don't think that if we are talking about uh, owners of material production, which I really don't know how how exactly to how to define them here, but maybe owners of the hotel chains and so on, Boyko's people, the people of Boyko Boris of the so-called national bourgeoisie with uh, really like just using that term kind of, uh, I don't really know if we, we should use it. They those are not the, in uh, they don't have the interest of Bulgaria, of, of this situation uh, where Bulgaria would be engaged in, in this war. 
precisely because they are they they are going to they are in danger of losing everything, all the capital that they have amassed. So in that case, I think the situation is more of a like a confrontation, a, a, a certain certain fraction of the uh, of the Bulgarian political elite, which is in symbiosis of kind of like economic structures and it's kind of like this symbiosis between organized crime and shady businesses and corruption and all that but they have amassed uh certain capital here uh inside the country they are not on board with that like the people and and i would say this is gerb i think uh or uh, and on the other hand we have this kind of newcomers uh which which i would say are kind of training like part of this transnational capitalist class like people like uh vasilev and petkov or maybe want to be part of a transnational capitalist class and they're kind of coming in and they're kind of this uh serving these uh it's not that there wasn't the compradorial bourgeoisie but they are serving this complete uh role of being the absolute yes man of the uh united states now because apparently it didn't work with borisov it seems that borisov was ousted out of power precisely because he didn't uh he he had a, maybe he had he had uh red lines that that he didn't want to cross well that's how i think about it and uh so in that sense uh like what is going to happen now uh i think that uh, the united states is resolving to this and and kind of playing the bank because it realizes that he, he could not achieve consent inside the country and it could not achieve consent inside the country because of the uh dire socio economic conditions in the country the horrible class disparity the situation resembling more of a latin american country than uh like developed uh, like uh, european even though now these lines are kind of blurred because the crisis and the popularization of society is everywhere but uh for the most part we have uh, exhibited processes that are much more resembling a situation of uh an uh country like uh say Honduras Honduras or Guatemala under the boot of the United States for for years and years even centuries and that's kind of what we have been uh seeing now in uh inside uh, Bulgaria but I think the tragedy is that uh most of the Bulgarian public is actually not aware of the United States shenanigans and uh, it's not okay aware. okay and you got okay you got to hold your thought now we're going to go to a short break and then we're going to continue our discussion uh on how things are unfolding in Bulgaria thank you very much for being with us uh for uh, during this first segment of uh today's release of on the barricades to our viewers and listeners if you like to support our work then please consider subscribing this channel sharing with your friends family or whomever you find appropriate and also uh take a look at the options where you can donate you can make one of donation or you can uh, perhaps subscribe in order to support our channel uh, our work financially thank you very much see you in the next segment